0: As our country and community continues to deal with the pandemic, those that are incarcerated continue to face the pressure as a way of life. We want to share some of our connections to those incarcerated and returning citizens and the reality of their experiences here in Wisconsin. This is Eli Steenlich. I'm
1: Anthony Cooper Singer, and you're about to hear some justified anger.
0: On this special episode, we wanted to have a conversation with the Nehemiah Reentry team who have contributed much of the stories on this podcast and talk about how we are bringing together a lot of the topics and issues explored here with this year's Reentry Conference. If you enjoy this kind of honest and real talk, then please join us for more at the conference or our monthly Lunch and Learn sessions. Keep listening because we're going to jump right into that conversation now. Great, so we've got the uh, Niemeyer reentry team here together. Anthony Cooper, Aaron Hicks, Rebecca Barber with us. So we're talking about uh, what's been happening with the criminal justice system, the incarceration system, prisons during COVID and now that we're, you know, felt like we were on the end of COVID, but still going on, especially for those that don't have as much control over their lives. But we just wanna hear some of the the stories and, and people that you're talking to and hearing from and seeing and what's changed since we've been done an update last um, or what, you know, what people need to hear.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess what, one of the things is just to kind of just sort of back up, what are you seeing? What is, what are some of the things that um, that, that you're hearing and you're noticing that, that's happening? Um, and also what are people talking to you about? that's going on we're talking about COVID, we're also talking about housing, Um, let's talk.
2: Well, from the inside perspective, what I'm seeing is that there's just a lot of uncertainty Mm -hmm. right now. And part of that is from the lack of communication with families what they're doing in a lot of facilities is regulating phone calls so you have some places only have four calls a day Mm -hmm. some places you can call as many times as you get through but you have to sign up for them first so it depends on the time slot if your call drops because their phone service isn't very good in a lot of facilities you don't get the opportunity to call back Um, so you're missing a lot of connection with the outside world that you used to be able to just call based on whatever schedule your family had on the outside and now it's switched where now Mm -hmm. they have to plan with the schedule on the inside and what that does is it creates a lot of um, a lot of just mental health issues Mm -hmm. and the the thing is is a lot of people don't even realize that they're going through that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's a big one Um, the other thing is on the flip side of those that are incarcerated the staffing has been low so not only do you have um, issues with the uh, COs uh, the corrections officers and things like that but they're overworked and they're under a lot of stress and that sometimes can also roll off and affect how they treat those that are incarcerated. So okay. from that standpoint, you have a lot of mental health, health issues that are going on right now. Some people wear masks inside, some don't. Some facilities are sitting around a small table eating lunch and no one has their masks on, including the guards but then during visits, everybody's expected to have masks, mm-hmm. but some of the guards on the insides of the visiting floor don't have their masks fully on. So everything is really up in the air. And then what we see coming out is- oh, Hold on, hold on, yeah. just
1: to add on to that, because I think that's something to to make sure that we don't lose note of, because of the simple fact, when you talk about the spread of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many people, one, there's no visitations, but yet it's being brought into by guards uh, into the um, prison by guards and things of that nature. So we don't want to make sure we want to make sure we don't miss that because that was also a conversation that we had in the past with the um, Department of Corrections of being able to say, okay, so what we know inmates are, are are confined, right? Yeah. And so whatever whatever is coming in, right, it means it's coming in from from staff. So how are we have how are we having that conversation and what are they doing um, as an institution to being able to make sure that their staff is following f- following quote unquote protocol right, right. so um, so I just want to make sure that that doesn't that doesn't get lost and it makes you sure that you know that that honestly I feel like that's another conversation that we need to bring up again with Department of Corrections um, Absolutely. Um, yeah because I mean again the numbers are still going up um, um, not only in just in the community but also in the prison as, as well
0: and those are things that we've talked about in the past mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as you know people not being able to have good contact with their families and mm-hmm. loved ones and the staff bringing in you know they're the ones going in and out so right. they would be the ones that are mainly bringing any germs or anything into the air right mm-hmm. that would be and I think there was a recent report about that so those are stuff we talked about before and it's still happening right, right? right. right. That's right. some of the things I think it's important to remember we've known about this for a while and now it's a lot of it's not still addressed so mm-hmm. a year and a half plus mm-hmm. later mm-hmm there's people that are still even more isolated now from from rambling friends, And Mm -hmm.
2: now they're speaking of movement, too. So there's a few facilities that are so understaffed that they actually are shutting some portions of those down. Mm -hmm. down. So Lake Wapan is one that has been dealing with that. But the problem comes in, too, isn't necessarily the we have to eliminate the whole medium maximum secure that that part goes out the window right now because realistically we're still talking about people regardless of Mm -hmm. the classification Mm -hmm. so as you're moving people over to other facilities you're also blending those germs so to speak or you know you're Mm -hmm. if you are short-staffed at one facility so you're not necessarily following all the procedures but now you're going to be taking all those individuals and moving them somewhere else um, so that that creates an issue. And also, like you said, I mean, you know, the guidelines have been set. Mm-hmm. memos go out, there's expectations. However, not all facilities are following the same mm-hmm. guidelines. And that goes across the board all the way from sentencing into incarceration and even after the fact. And
1: it's something that what I was just thinking about, um, and then I guess they even go deeper and for, you know, for the Department of Corrections how often are they having conversations with the anti-maskers, right? The ones that say, hey, you know what, this is, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, firemen. Yeah. right? You, you know what I mean? Are they really holding them, holding their feet to the flame when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because this is their job? Mm-hmm. So, um, so now their liberties, you know, um, their liberties has, has in some sense been taken away because they feel that they can do whatever they want to do. By not wearing a not wearing a mask and not caring about the people who they are who they can possibly affect.
2: Well, the tagline is right. the "persons in our care," mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this isn't just a role right. where you're playing that you're going to job, to a job to lock doors mm-hmm. and unlock doors. I mean, you you are caring for people, so that does set that aside as far as expectations go. Mm-hmm. And so I think those conversations definitely have need to be had, and um, it can be hot. There's a very lack of um, HVAC in, Mm -hmm. in these places. I mean, there's not a lot of air movement. So I understand that it might be uncomfortable, or, oh, it's hard to wear this mask all day, or something like that, but it's also
1: everyone else has to do it so it shouldn't matter right right that's just I mean that's just what it comes down to yeah right and like you said I mean if the Department of Corrections in their role they're saying these are people that who are in their care so it's time for you to care about them period. right and on a so level
2: because I want to add to that real fast because <laughs> what happens then too and I don't think people understand this is like the, those that are actually incarcerated if they take off their mask or they aren't wearing it or they refuse for whatever religious purposes or whatever health issues issues it may be, you can get a ticket, Mm -hmm. you can get sent to the hole, you can have your livelihood taken from you, and what a ticket does is that actually prevents you from getting out when when it comes time for your release. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are repercussions that the incarcerated community receives, but what's going on with the guards and those that are employed there they're not being held accountable right right, right. <laughs> i mean
1: that's basically what it is it's the whole thing of trying to make sure that people are being treated fairly oh, right you're, you're going to all across the board if you're yeah. going to hold if you gonna hold one standard for me and not the standard for for them that's already showing the disconnect that you're saying that their life matters right. and my life doesn't absolutely. right you, you know so aaron what's your what's your thoughts on i mean all of this well i mean i was enjoying
3: the conversation but <clears throat> In all reality, I believe that individuals um, the the biggest concern is will I die in here? Mm-hmm. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think we can really understand how the depth, the the width, or the height of how that just stays with a person. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you're gonna live or die in here, um, even though you might not have been sentenced to a a life sentence or mm-hmm. to a death sentence. You know, the fact is that. When, you know, you got these things going on and people are not taking the precautions that, that need to be taken, it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on our end as the community, we have to lift these things up and we have to really hold them accountable to utilizing the, the procedures um, and really enforcing them so that individuals, you know, Can yes, they're going to be held accountable. But also, I think the standard starts from the department itself. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. If they're not being held accountable, what makes you think anybody else is going to fall in line? Right. Um, So it starts with the head, and it works. It it trickles its way all the way down. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that the more um, the department is on board with really um, enforcing it through all their staff and all the institutions, I think one. The less likely you'll see people um, being uh, having COVID. That's part one. But the second part is that um, they are setting a standard, mm-hmm. and I think it's important that that standard be set
1: um, by all parties. Um, so, but also, also I think to say even add on to that is the fact that making sure that the because of what has happened. And and you know, if, if we go back and kinda look at the our, 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 our previous lunch and learn, is, is the fact that we're they said that the standards are there, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But people are mm-hmm. not following through. Mm-hmm. So 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 I think that that's I think that's more of the that's more of the challenge than anything. Because no one one, you're not they're not following they're not following their own protocol.
3: Right. You know I that's a, but that's a common theme, though. Right. I mean, you, you hear things like, I mean, that's a common thing. You hear things like um, trauma-informed care, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. That's something that they talk about on, you know. But what's interesting is the very people that's talking about trauma-informed care, they, they, they are also the same people who are pushing and creating trauma Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting to me Mm -hmm. Um, they talk about things like uh, evidence based practices um, which again is interesting to me that they push that narrative but then when we show them the evidence that um Supports a lot of things that we talk about. Those are the things that are not implemented, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. again makes you say, "Hmm." It's just like okay. So then, what really is the agenda? Mm -hmm. You know. And my model is strictly man. Whatever it is, just say what it is. Don't don't try to you know, brush it up and make it look good for the community. If this is not what it is, then you need to share with us what it really is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it's about a person or persons in my care, in your care, then we need to be able to see. We need to be able to see that's being displayed because if you display something outside of persons inside of, that's in our care, if you display something outside of that, then you have a whole different agenda and, that's, and that becomes an
1: issue. But also, you just got to call it what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because of the yeah. simple fact is, if you're not sharing, you're lying, right? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's just basically what it comes down to. It's not, and I know as much as a lot of times if we, You know, try to use the cookie cutter way of being able to say it and be able to hold people's feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. But if you're not truly sharing about the the challenges that you're having with your own staff, the challenges that you're having um, um, on being able to navigate in different counties, if you're the challenges um, that you're having with COVID cases that are that are. Um, 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 that are happening, or the refusals of people that who don't want to take the test as they're entering into their their work because they're they're not mandated to do it, even though they're asking that as a requirement. Right. You're not taking those things as serious as much as as much as you want the rest of the world to take it. Right. So that becomes so if you're not doing so, but yet you're you're putting it out to the world that you are, right. then you are lying. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing else about it. I mean, there's yeah. no other way of saying it. So yeah. I think that's the. Again, that's not, not only holding their feet to the fire, but then also making it a requirement to be able to have it, they need to have we need to have a different conversation with staff and, and, and things of that nature because we've already asked we are, we're already asked to have the conversation with the higher ups yeah. we already had we've had the conversation with mid, mid-level staff yeah. we've had conversation with even um, lower level staff and we know we know we're entry level staff I shouldn't say lower level but we're entry level staff and we know we all know that there's challenges because of the simple fact that not only are we hearing it right. from, from ones that are inside but then also even the ones that the um even there are staff members who have said, hey, look, I do not believe in the, I don't believe in um on the vaccine. I don't believe in, in the mask. That's not what we do in our county. Right. Hey, you know? Right. Yep. I know people who have been, who, who've had COVID. <coughs> I know people who, have, who haven't. So, so. So that's you know, or feel and, and honestly, even for some for some people that I've even met up north, they feel like, hey, there's some folks that actually feel like, hey, that's only something that happens into the biggest cities in the right. biggest cities because we are protected, we're right. okay, we right. don't need to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, that's
0: just, you know, those, those yeah. are just some of the things and, that's, and the thoughts. And that's why that we happened. got to okay. keep talking about this yeah. and having right. conversations and taking action. And that's mm-hmm. why um, we did want to bring up the Nehemiah Ranchi conference because we are touching on a lot of these issues. Right. So we're having yeah. breakout sessions on staffing and the different issues around that, which we brought up some of these and talking about what's actually being done Um, and we we bring always bring different perspectives Mm -hmm. right people that are working in the system and people who are impacted by the system on both sides so we so we hear that and i don't know what you all think but you know this summer at least in wisconsin you know in dane county area we um we kind of got the message well you don't really need to wear masks right in Mm -hmm. june july Mm -hmm. we're we're good now and now we're going back to that and i think with changes like that Which can make people feel good, but then we start to also lose focus of those who are still um, maybe inside, still Uh incarcerated, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And we start to forget about, well, things are pretty much good now, right, for Mm -hmm. us, Mm -hmm. maybe um, on the outside. And are, are you sort of... Feeling that, I mean, I think that's why it's important to have our conference still and talk about this because it gets sort of lost in the mm-hmm. in the mix when we're maybe some of us are going back to normal. Right. 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 Yeah. I think what the conference does, though, it, it gives people a broader
3: perspective of what's taking place uh, inside the institutions as well as out in the community, um, because this is, you know, this is this is a, a serious. It's, it's, it's a serious issue and it needs to be talked about. We mm-hmm. need to be able to have true dialogue about this. It's one thing to commit a crime and be held accountable for that crime and you do your time. It's a whole other thing when on top of that, now you have a whole added trauma where you're mm-hmm. not able to see family, loved mm-hmm. ones, right? Um, you're being quarantined, all of these different things. That's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And the psyche behind that, um, man, I can't even imagine. Um, We're out here in the community, so can you imagine for the individuals that's incarcerated, Mm -hmm. where they're not able to speak to family, loved ones, all of those things? That's, you know, their mental mind state is, is probably all over the place. You know it's
1: Segregation. I mean, that, that's a, a, that's when you talk about people that who have been in seg, right? Yeah. That is. So now you are giving people. You, I mean, now automatically that becomes a part of that person's sentencing. That's right. Regardless if they, regardless of what level, if they're uh, a lower risk. Uh, um, 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 crime or high-risk crime, where all, you know I mean, everyone there is a, is in segregation at this point. So again, that bec- that becomes a different type of challenge and also trying to teach the new staff of what, or staff, what they should be doing. So all, you know I mean, uh, how do you, how do you make sure that everyone is at least making phone calls out to their family? How do you make sure that there, there's uh, uh, some type of fluency between um, not only making phone calls, that there, that there's some type of other connection that happens the, you know, the tablet is one thing, but then there's so much more that you have to be able to do. Um, so
2: I had a gentleman tell me recently that, you know, in the past 15, 18 months, however long it's been, mm-hmm. um, that's he's incarcerated. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, it's crazy because no one that works for the facility that claims we are in our, their care has actually come around and just simply said, how are you doing?
0: Wow. Mm, How are wow. you holding
2: up? Mm-hmm. Wow, And just left it at that. Mm-hmm. No one's asked. And I think that that one person telling me is a ripple effect of so many, many more. Mm-hmm. So when you're speaking of, you know we've talked to the Department of Corrections, they've had conferences, they've went out and said public things. That's a very one-sided conversation. And because they keep the communications under wraps so much, this whole society of individuals who are still going to be coming out. So it's not their community, our community, or it's separate. It's all one community. Those, all of those individuals are not being heard. Mm-hmm. So we can get statistics from the Department of Corrections all day, but if it's just that side of the story and no one's checking in to see how are they doing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. no one's actually, other than the reentry conference really is, who else is sharing those inside voices and mm-hmm. people who are impacted day to day and then also re-entering society and and walking alongside next to us every day in our life Mm -hmm. and we don't realize what they just came out of and what they're going through Mm -hmm. so this conference is is just so important on so many levels Um, mainly just to be informed and to understand your neighbor Mm -hmm. because truthfully that's what they what they quote unquote are is still our neighbor and if Mm -hmm. it's not today it will be tomorrow and it could be you and your family so that's
1: right um, so Rebecca, why is the reentry conference important to you and why are you a part of the organization?
2: I'm, I'm a part of this organization just because for over ten and a half years I've been directly in, involved uh, through the radio station of WRT, um, listening and responding and, and hearing all of the voices that don't get much further than that. Um, it, it, becomes, it becomes a cycle and it's time to break it. It's been time to break it. And the only way that we can do that is by education and learning and talking and opening up about it and, and taking down the separation between us versus them. Mm-hmm. And and like I said earlier in the conversation, you know, these are your neighbors and these are people that you um, will see. Not everybody that's incarcerated will be there for the rest of their lives. I mean, people are planning on coming home tomorrow and, and to be frankly honest, it's a scary, scary thing. To be ripped away from everything that you know and that you love and that you're comfortable with and to come out into a society that's already uncertain of, of their surroundings and they've been in it every day. Mm-hmm. So with these fears and and this realization of, of what you're up against, I think it's up to us to be able to reach out our hand and reach out our ear and make sure that we as a whole can be successful and have compassion and understanding and help each other become the best people that we can possibly be because at the end of the day we have children that are coming up in this and that's the last thing that we want to do is keep this cycle going so Mm -hmm.
1: thank you thank you so much um thank you for all all that you do all the things you continue to do in um throughout the community um really appreciate your work and we really appreciate your time and and the work that you do here as well um aaron same question yeah so the the reason i'm a
3: part of the organization um, i believe that what we bring to the table is so unique. It's about liberating people, breaking the chains of uh, psychological incarceration. And I just think that um, that's huge. That's what I want to be a part of. Um, I feel that um, when we speak about incarceration, people fail to realize incarceration is not limited to a building or a place. It's actually a state of mind. and so, really breaking away those chains um, from individuals, incarceration is the result of a state of mind, I believe. Um, and so, really coming up with strategic ways that we break the chains of this psychological um, incarceration. When we, when I'm having discussions, is about being in prison, um, and that comes from that mindset of incarceration. So it's this is what I've got involved in this for to really help other individuals break free. Um, just because you make it back on the street does not mean that you're not still incarcerated. Um, that's something that I have struggled with. I continue to struggle with, but little by little, the chains are being broken away. And so my agenda, um, is to help others break away their chains as well. And, and really just bringing liberation to the table. And I think this conference, um, going to be huge because, um, What this conversation we've been having is really just a small snapshot, a little glimpse of a bigger picture. um, Some of the conversations that will be taking place, and really giving strategic ways about how we can work together as a community to really help individuals be set free, um, because that's what it's about. Um, And so that's why I do the work. That's why I believe in. What this uh re-entry conference will do it will inform it will educate but it also will set some people free um and so uh, that's why i push it promote it um and that's why i do what i do um whether it's with the houses whether it's with man up i mean the agenda never changes like people want to be set free and i just believe uh, we bring light into
0: dark situations that's who we are and that's what we do
3: yeah i think you're
0: you're so right Aaron, and about the not just the conference, but the work that you guys do as well. I yeah. think people often respond to something that's different about how Nehemiah and Justified Anger do things. Yes, And, yeah. the, and mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. interact with our staff and the, the people impacted by the work is that because we value... Like your experience that yeah. you, you did spend time in prison and and you bring that to the table, that experience and how you've been transformed yes. also. Yes. And so I think um, that's what we try to bring to, you know, anytime that we do some sort of uh, conference or, or meeting with people is we try to bring that side to it yeah. to see that transformation. Yeah. And I think that's what people will find. And, and it's not just about, like you said, we want to see action take place, right? That's right. We want to see things change and move forward. And we always put that into uh, these sort of conferences that we do. Yeah. Um, or a lunch and learns about what people can do. And it's about connecting and networking mm-hmm. with others that, that have that same vision and, and passion, right? That's right? To do those things. So right. um, I think you, you hit right on what sort of sets us apart. It's not going to be your normal... Um, stuffy conference you know, right. <laughs> experience right, right? just sit, right. sit back and listen but um, we want people to interact and uh, and um, engage with what we're actually talking about that's right exactly yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean that's the only way that we can give there's the only way that we can make things happen right and, and I say we that means all of us all together as a community working working for a common goal a common purpose um, that's that's you know that's if that's not our focus, then we, we're lost. That's right. <laughs> Period. Yeah. There's just no. There's nothing else to. To, to even stay behind that. Uh, that is not our focus of working together. It's not about where, you've, where you're where from, what you've, what you've been through. We we need you, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, um, all yeah, hands but, on deck. Yeah, yeah. black, white, uh, whatever. You know, there's no... We know that there, there are challenges. You know that there are challenges. So, so this is the time to be able to step out and step out.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I would just, you know, with all of that being
3: said... Uh, I just really would hope that people come out and support this um, because we need the support of all people, um, and I think that's what makes Nehemiah so unique because we we, we play well with others. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to work together. We want to work with you know other communities, uh, other uh, community organizations, all of those things. Whatever it's going to take um, to make this change, because we know that you know part of. The Department of Correction, their budget is over one point three billion, mm-hmm. which that lets us know that, like, you know, when we work in silos, our, the ask, I mean, like a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand, that's not going to really change. That's going to maybe affect one small portion, but when we start working together, we can do a bigger ask really and we can really get more things taken care of when we move collectively Um, and just from a scriptural standpoint the bible says one will put a thousand flight but two will put ten thousand so i think the more we work together the Mm -hmm. more we change Mm -hmm. the narrative um, we change the trajectory and we understand that we're dealing with lives this is not like a building or you know road construction none of the above these are human beings these Mm -hmm. are people with you know heartbeats and you know blood flowing through their veins so it's our obligation to you know invest back in people that's what it's Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. for the people um by the people and i just think that we have to really challenge each other to really Mm -hmm. understand hey this is these are lives these Mm -hmm. are real Mm -hmm. lives in real time with real issues and it's our obligation to be there to support help and build these people back
0: up so so. and make our community safer so Mm -hmm. Mm We keep talking about here at Nehemiah that in, in many aspects, but today we're talking about criminal justice system and the incarceration system and reentry, but how COVID hopefully has exposed a lot of the sort yeah. of issues that yeah. we already knew because there is this hopefully... Um, New thoughtfulness about that; these are people going through things. A lot of times, I think the general public might kind of like to feel like, well, they're they're sort of separated from us now. We don't have to worry about people right. mm-hmm. who are who are in prisons, right? Um, but this hopefully new focus in saying, you know, there's a. There's a new level of um, isolation, a new level of threat to their lives. Um, like you said, they, they weren't not everybody is sent there for a death sentence, That's right? right? The expectation is that they will return and be our neighbors. That's right. Um in, in in our communities. So hopefully there is this new understanding of caring for people just as as important beings, right? With us. So I think something about having these conversations, the conference, um, talking about these issues and talking about action is hopefully this is the time where it can change, right? Hopefully mm-hmm. we're rethinking how they're using all that money, That's right, right? Mm-hmm. the Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. And there's more attention on that because in the past, the, you know, uh, it's easier to kind of not have people looking right. and asking questions, right? And so That's hopefully, right. I think it's good to ask, you know, is this the best way that these things can be done? Um, maybe not, right? Because we we can see that how quickly we could change how our culture works, yep. right? To combat mm-hmm. something like COVID, we all hopefully are getting behind it in some way to to save lives. What could we do in the same way? Um, yeah. Things could change quickly if we really want them to. That's right. right. And mm-hmm. we know
3: we understand clearly that you know wherever you put your money is is. What you, what you invest in. That's yeah. what you invest, that's mm-hmm. what you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. since, you know, incarceration, when it comes to the Department of Credit, they have the highest budget out of any budget throughout the whole state.
0: Where do you think that money's going? That's, <laughs> that's, a,
3: that's a, 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 a billion dollar question. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's a billion dollar question. We and, and so, incarceration, because it has become a business, And we have taken away from really just investing back in people. Um, Mm -hmm. We know that like 90 to 95% of people who go to prison will get back out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we don't allocate money to the resources out in the community. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a problem with, you know, the numbers went down during COVID. Now, the numbers are going back up. PO holes are going back up. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things are going back up again. And so the question has to be asked. I don't even think it has to be a question anymore. I think it's obvious what's taking place, and I think we have to, through conferences, through communication, through lunch and learns, all of these different things, this is how we change the narrative because, I mean, the truth of the matter is if how, how is it possible that our Department of Correction, their budget is bigger than our education? That just shows our value mm-hmm. system.
1: But, but you know what, Aaron, I think one of the things is, is some of that you said. I think it has always been a business. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? And because it has always been a business, the name this, the name even in the, the name of Department of Corrections it sounds catchy yeah. right because it's saying that you're correcting you're correcting a your behavior but in actuality it's, it's, a, it's a department of non-correction mm. but but because they're not even correcting their own things that they what they're doing mm. and even they're not correcting the, uh, they're not they're not supporting or helping and acknowledging the things that they know that they need to correct themselves that's right so that becomes a uh, that becomes a problem as well and, and so now it's it's and this is this is the the thing that I even though incarceration is hard, right? But if I'm not learning crap, if I'm just sitting on my butt all day, right? That's not that's not uh, that's not that's not teaching me anything, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? But to be able to help me to be able to navigate where some of these pain, these hurts and pains are coming from, uh, or whatever, or to be able to uh, to because it's, it's it's so much more than. Trying to find employment is so much more than just even trying to find housing. It's about how do I how do I navigate life now, and to be able to have a, a, a better understanding. It may not look like the way how you may want it to look, because I may not have all the uh, I may not have all the fancy degrees and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But I'm still a person. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who wants something better for my life. Uh, I'm a person who wants something better for my family. I'm a uh, I'm a person I'm a person that who wants to see what growth and opportunity really looks like. And if we're not having those conversations, and why I'm being incarcerated, then I'm sorry. There's no correction that that's being ha- that's happening at all. Mm-hmm. So so that's uh, again those are. Just other tidbits that need to be able to that we need to start addressing more, and they need to that and, and 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 let me say bunk. Just addressing, we need to make sure that they're taking action and and making those things happen. Because if they're not doing that, we're going to sit here and have the exact same conversation next year, the next year after that, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. Because nothing has the the everyone knows, and the the common the common thread is the system needs to be abolished. We all know that. There are people inside of the Department of Corrections that know that the changes that need to be ha- that, that need to happen because their business plan has been jacked up from day one. So 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 you know but it works, but it works it doesn't work for the correction piece. It works to be able to fuel the system, right? To be able to fuel the uh, uh, to fuel the institution and also to be able to basically everyone's line in their pockets. Right. That's what we need to be able to start talking about and changing that behavior. That's what needs to be corrected. Yeah. And
0: and could I ask you guys what you think if if there was a bigger investment in community support Mm -hmm. for people? What that would look like. So on both ends of things, right? When people are released from prison, yeah. um, mm-hmm. we're we talking about a lot about reentry and support for them in the community when they return. But maybe on the other end too, before they get to prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On the preventive side, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what What sort of impact would you think that would have on the uh, Department of Corrections? You know, or on that system? Right. You know?
1: That would. So, <coughs> so, so so that that that. That brings about again the conversation of if the, we talk about the impact that it would have on it, that will be a part of demolishing that that institution, and they know it, mm-hmm. right? So if if you're if you're basically saying they know by um, they they know by the education, right? So if someone's not able to read at a third grade level, the not that attend, that person will go to prison. Mm-hmm. If that if, if you know that. Why are we not investing more to make sure that those children, uh, men, uh, that those children are reading at at at, 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 a, at such a level that where they that that is changing that reality? There's no there's no investment there, mm-hmm. If we're not investing in, in Department Corrections. That's a part of the correction that they're not correcting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's part. Yeah. That, there's no other way of saying that. That's yeah. a part of that correcting that 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 they're not. They have the conversation. And there's evidence. If you talk about evidence-based models and things of that nature, all that is there, but yet they're not. They're not correcting it. That's right. So, so yeah. So, so, so that says that that says all uh, again. It's not about the people. These are not people, these are these are numbers that's gonna give us more numbers to grow what we already have uh, 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 in their eyes, a greater institution that's gonna to add to more prisons because we know by a certain age, nine times out of ten, that person is gonna hit our doors, whether it's name, whether it's a county jail or or or, or, or the actual prison system, right? That they're they're gonna have some type of connection with, with, with us, one way or another. Because if they don't get things in order by 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, Nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, nine out of ten. What's going to happen? They don't commit a crime. They don't commit a crime that is going to start at this level. it's going to end up being at this level. So what what happens is now they end up going to prison. That becomes that that becomes whose whose pocket is being lined again? The mm-hmm. yep. Department of Corrections. Yeah. So I mean, it, 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 at, at the end of the day, it's a wicked, wicked, wicked business plan that they've always had, and it is growing. And now you add COVID to the mix. That's another part of it. So, uh, you know, Rebecca had mentioned a little bit earlier, right? So, if you get a ticket or you get an infraction while you're in while while you're in while, while you're incarcerated, so and then you get an infraction, then you have being frustrated. Then what happens? So, if you commit a crime while you're incarcerated, what happens then? That's longer time. Let's keep you there, yeah. So, so who's that fueling? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. No, you know what? they kept ca- county jails don't. You know, just hold off for a little bit. You know what? On um, 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 POs, you know, stay off, stay off them a little bit. they you know, you know what? That, we don't want to send them um, to um, the county jail for that or this or that. Yeah. We're just gonna go ahead and keep what we who we have, <laughs> right, right, and, and still collect more because we're adding time mm-hmm. to to them. Yeah. There's different there's, there's so many different ways just like you know and Aaron I don't know if, I don't know what you have talked about before even like when uh, the bracelet went off. yeah my, my, my automatic thought is not only is it that's, that's a bill that Aaron has to, has, to, has to pay. Now luckily Aaron has a job he has some stability and things of that nature but I think about the ones who don't mm-hmm. right then, so if they don't, what does that do? Punishment. But it's punishment behind that. It's on your taxes. That's it's on your um, credit, credit score. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, even for some jobs, you have to have a good credit score. You have to have a yes. decent um, credit sco- score. And that's not even high-paying jobs. It, um, well, it's no, no longer PDQ. I'm not sure if Quick Trip adopted this model. But if you didn't have, have, have a, a good um, credit score, you weren't able to work at Quick Trip, a gas station. Wow. I mean, um, PDQ at the time, but yeah, it, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, so, if they adopted it, and imagine other companies that would have done the exact same right. thing. Right. That's right. one of many mm-hmm. entry-level <coughs> positions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's no, just, it, no, it, it just... No, it. you was <laughs> there. I love it. I love it. Like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really,
3: these things need to be said. They, they really need to be said. Um, I remember having a dialogue with a judge... And this is, what, this is what the conversation looked like. He said to me, I never took on this position to lock up black and brown people. And I said to him, you're absolutely right. I said, if that was the case, we could take you out of the equation, put somebody else in there, and it would change the narrative. But the truth mm-hmm. is, the system is designed so strategic that whether you are black or white, it don't mm-hmm. matter. Once you enter into and work for the system, Mm-hmm. Right, you will be locking up black and brown people mm-hmm. because the system has been designed very strategically. And it's not just limited to the criminal justice system and our education system. All the different systems which you will start to notice is that black and brown people are always behind the eight ball, which should make people just say, hmm, I wonder why that is. It don't matter what field we predominantly in... And in the NBA, if you just took the NBA, it's pri- primarily black and brown people who play basketball. Not all, mm-hmm. but primarily. But when you start to look at ownership around basketball teams, you only have one black owner.
0: Mm. That would yeah. that should that should just raise some intelligence. So, we're talking about the uh, Department of Corrections, for example, is a great business model, right? It's making them lots of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about a few of the ways that it's doing that. But yeah. also, Aaron, you're talking about the communities of people that are mainly impacted by that, right? right. Like it's one thing to say, yep, the people that are being incarcerated, you know, they're making money off of that. But also it's a certain segment of our community, right? right? That's right. Um, Which which even makes it worse. And Um, and you have to ask
3: the question for me. Anytime we talk about community, I always have to ask what community are you referring to? Mm -hmm. It's important to ask that question because there is a, a, outcasts of individuals that we don't really, you know, consider community, Mm -hmm. right? If you're not a homeowner or a business owner or whatever the case may be. And we know, I mean, it's it's always interesting to me that we do all of these researches and, you know, we do all of these different types of uh, testings Mm -hmm. and we have the evidence. Nevertheless, we don't adopt or use them. Again, mm-hmm. just something to make you say, hmm, I wonder, yeah. why? Well, there's an agenda. And until we change the agenda, um, and I think we have to utilize people with lived experience. That's mm-hmm. huge. People, because whether you're in the classroom or not, school is always in session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our education mm-hmm. came from our experience. Yeah. There's certain things that we understand about the criminal justice system that in the academic world, they will never, that won't won't make it into a textbook, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, I believe that when we utilize the academic and the lived experience, now this is how we chase narratives. If that's the agenda, Mm -hmm. right? Because if that's not the agenda, then we know there's something else being Mm -hmm. served up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, being conscious to those things, but I believe strongly. It, it doesn't matter whether you have, you know, for the person who doesn't have much education. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They still are receiving education based on whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. Oh, they being learned. Please believe me. And so, because I understand that, I understand that. It doesn't matter whether a person been in a classroom or not. I, I I value their education despite because I know you didn't went through something and because you've been through something, that allows me to know that you're very well educated. Mm-hmm. It just came in a different form.
1: But the truth of the matter, even <clears throat> and we're being boldly honest with that, is that lived experience trumps talk, education. Talk to me. Right. You, you know what I mean? Because the, the thing is most people that who are educated, they're trying to gain knowledge from the lived experience. Talk to me. So 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 so, so when you look at the the, the, the twist in that and what's being valued and Say what's that. not being Say valued that. so, that. so that's where we have to be able to have a different conversation yeah. all, the way, all the way around the board yeah. but now again that kind of goes right back to because as we all know school is an institution And not, nothing against education But it's still it's, a, it's, a, it's an institution And what does it do? It works off of a business plan as well That's right It's no different from the criminal justice system That's right Right You, you know what I mean in, in, in a lot of ways Because it is, served, it is self-fulfilling Self-learning And doing It's doing it a purpose To say hey Now And if we go deeper we can even talk about the people that who have master's degrees that who are living homeless on the streets and living uh, living underneath um, bridges because no one has hired them. So even in that, there is no guarantee. That's right, right. right? You, you know what I mean? And that is not all the, always, but always um, because of a person uh, has mental health challenges or whatever the case may be. Because what happened before they get, before they end up having mental health challenges? The same way when someone is in prison. And they gain. They end up having. They end up having triggers that trigger mental health challenges and take taking them to a different space as well, right? So again, you have you have. I mean, if 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 we're gonna have that conversation, That's right. you have to you have to be able to have the the conversation of how that balances on both ends. They check and balance in education. They check and balance in department of corrections. So yeah. what what are what are we doing on both ends to be able to acknowledge what should be done. Right. You know what I mean what should be valued. Mm-hmm. What should and, 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 and what is and, and how and how can we how can we educate and allow people to know <coughs> your lived experience is just as well as important as the master degree that a person has on on, on, on the wall. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. so once people tend to start understanding that, now things are looked at a whole lot differently. And again, it's no, it's no cut at people that who have had uh, um, uh, master's degrees or, 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 or and, and things of that nature. But there are, there are, there are things that there are things that we must talk about. Because at the end of the day, it's more about dollars and cents than it is being able to see people elevate to being the best of them. Yeah, if, I mean, you know what I mean? If, if you're really t- telling me that because in Department of Corrections, you're trying to correct behavior. In, 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 um, uh, um, um, uh, in universities, you're trying to grow and with the with the thought of, they can take off of, of the education that which you presented in front of them. Yeah. hmm Something's not adding up there yeah. because they're basically the same thing in yeah. some sense, or at least the the thought process of it is mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. But one is one is hey, I'm gonna put you behind. One you are hey, um I'm locked up, and the other one are you are quote unquote free. But then also you're not totally free on this end of the education piece because if you owe checks and balances when it comes to owing loans and things of that nature, so right. you're incarcerated from from that aspect as well, right? Way, right? right. So I mean that's no, it's it's real, it's real out <laughs>
3: yeah. here in the field. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I really appreciate this dialogue, man. I, I'm glad we had the opportunity to sit here and yeah. and really share these things um, because uh, these truths need to be heard um, and. and I'm, I'm ready for this conference. I'm ready to hear what people have to say and what they, you know, gonna see. Uh, it's gonna be an exciting experience and uh, my prayer is that all people um, who get a chance to hear this get a small glimpse of a bigger picture. But greatness is definitely about to happen, so.
0: Yes, yes, excellent. Yeah, thanks for sharing today, guys. And you both will be at the reentry entry conference as well as uh, Rebecca Barber, who's gonna be moderating one of our breakout sessions. Mm-hmm. So we'll hear more from you at the conference. Absolutely. Right. Thank,
3: you. Thank, you. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to the Justified Anger podcast. Justified Anger is an initiative of Nehemiah. This podcast was made with the cooperation and collaboration of Rebecca Barber, Anthony Cooper, Aaron Hicks, Jeremy Holliday, Dr. Karen Reese, and Charlotte Miller. A special thank you to the individuals that shared their stories and experiences of incarceration. Some individuals' names are not included to protect their identity. Production and editing is by Eli Steenlich.